Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, Season 1, Episode 3, Stained Glass. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I am Agent Samantha, and uh, to my very far right is... Agent Stu, yay! It's just us again, Samantha. Yeah, Ben couldn't make it this this, uh, episode. Um, Hopefully he will be able to return next time. Hopefully. So while the cat's away... Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) So for for Daniel, we're going to talk about Star Trek a whole lot. Um, he 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 mentioned to me uh privately that well maybe not privately but he mentioned to me that we talk about star trek a lot so we got to keep doing that and uh we'll talk a little bit about cloak and dagger (laughs) i don't know how much though Uh, we'll see (laughs) we shall see so so so, uh, where do you want to go first? There's not a whole lot of news. In fact, I don't think there's any news. <laughs> there's no news? Is there news? Is there? I don't know. You're the news person. I'm falling down on my job. Let's say there's no news and just move <gasps> on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's just jump right into it. Ready? Mm-hmm. In the cold open, a 3D printer is creating an as-of-yet unidentifiable object in black with music playing over the scene. After the title card, we pick up where episode 2 left off, the vehicle accident on the deserted road. There's a high-pitched ringing that fades away. Tandy is visibly shaken. Tyrone is confused how he even got there. She's frightened. They hear a police siren in the distance, and Tandy takes off in the convertible, hoping to never see Tyrone again. Later down the road, the car is beginning to have engine trouble. Elsewhere, Detective Riley visits Rick Cotton in the hospital to question him. He mentions that his uncle works for the police foundation. He implies that his attacker was male and his memory of the whole night is fuzzy. She observes that the cuts on his face look like fingernail scratches, which are considered defensive wounds. She also notes that the paramedics found his pants unbuckled. Rick starts to get nervous and says that he needs to get some rest. O'Reilly will see him again soon. Tandy wipes down the convertible for any possible fingerprints and walks away. She returns back to her mother's house. Her mother, Melissa, and Greg, the lawyer, are there asleep. Probably in a drunken stupor. In the bathroom, Tandy tends to the wound on her head. The ringing sound returns, but is cut short when Melissa opens the bathroom door. Melissa wonders what she is doing back in the house following the last conversation they had and finds Tandy's bloody rag. There is a knock at the door. It is Detective O'Reilly who is looking for Tandy. Tandy hides in the bathroom and Melissa answers the door and denies that she's even seen Tandy for weeks, possibly months. When O'Reilly wants to come inside, a now-awake Greg says that O'Reilly needs a warrant to come inside the house. O'Reilly learns that Greg is also Melissa's lawyer. 
O'Reilly says that she's not there to arrest Tandy, but believes that she was mixed up in an assault. O'Reilly wants to protect her, but she must talk to her first. Melissa says that if it's true that Tandy has probably run away, O'Reilly gives her a business card and asks Melissa to pass it on to Tandy in the next the next time she sees her. O'Reilly leaves. Melissa calls out to Tandy that the de- detective is gone, but finds that Tandy has left the house too. Later outside of a bus station, Tandy thinks about this, her situation. A high, the high-pitched ringing returns, but goes away when she puts in her earbuds and turns on some music. She takes a seat on the bus, but the ringing continues. This time when it stops, she finds that she is alone on the bus. She hears a bow, ball bouncing in the distance. She wakes, uh, walks to the front of the bus that is darkened. When the door is opened, the outside scene is over bright. She is in a street basketball court. She sees young Tyrone bouncing a basketball and wearing the same hoodie she is wearing. So what did you think? There's so much in that first scene that is just mind-bending. I really appreciate how they're infusing science fiction and, and fantastic elements with it being pretty grounded in, you know, real life. Right. So it's not, it's not like they're racing around, you know, flying with capes or, you know, using, uh, there's no big hammers. There's no big green guys. There's no robot suits. You know, they've, these two people have these two problems and they're just thrown in there with um, um, some, some weird powers that we don't quite have a handle on just yet. You know what it reminds me of is um, the very first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. And in the very beginning, he's, he's still learning how to handle his powers. Like um, that whole scene in the cafeteria where, Mm-hmm. He's holding his tray, and he sits down, and he realizes that some of the webbing came out of a, out of his wrist. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to understand how to deal with this and control it all. And then right after that, he goes up on top of the building and says my favorite line, go web. <laughs> it, it also – this also sets up a little bit of like the, the – a little bit of the fantastical element, and it reminds me of um, – the first episode of DS9 where – that's Star Trek DS9 um, – where it, the the captain goes in and talks to um, the founders or the in the wormhole. And he's like, tell us about time and linear and why do you live here and all of those sorts of things about living in the place you don't necessarily want to be, um, being in the place you don't want to necessarily want to live and, and all of those questions. They keep going back to this traumatic time for them. So. Yeah. I also like that she's wearing, she's still wearing his um, big hoodie. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's still wearing the black hoodie when she is, when her um, hero colors or hero tone or whatnot is supposed to be white um and his is supposed to be black if you notice in the very opening scene he's wearing a white dress shirt with a black tie Mm -hmm. 
And later on, you can clearly see on the hoodie that there's some um, there's a rip in the hood. And she's gone through and she stitched it back with white mm-hmm. string. Um, so there's like this really nice yin-yang thing going on. Um, and just observing from the behaviors of what they're wearing in certain scenes, um, I would gather that um, the black color is representative of passive or defensive behaviors. And white would be more aggressive or offensive, which is, well, actually, it's not entirely true for all scenes because there's one later scene, um, which we will get to. Where they're both wearing black. Well, not just that, but um, later on, um, there's a scene where Tandy is wearing white and she's running. Mm. But we'll we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Also, who is Rick's uncle? Rick's uncle? The one with the big fancy house uh, that Tandy robbed. And the one that's on the police foundation? I don't know. Mm. Is he the lieutenant? Is he... Are you asking this because you know, or are you... I don't know. Postulating. Yeah, I don't know. That would be very interesting. That'd be very interesting if they... they, I mean, it kind of almost has to be connected somehow, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It has to be. And I think whoever that is is probably maybe involved with Roxon. Well, yeah, <laughs> Roxon's yeah. gonna be all over this, and I, I like that. That's I, okay. Go ahead and do Act Two, and then we'll um, then we'll talk more about stuff. Okay, in Act Two, uh, the 3D printer continues to print the object. It is a figure of a person. Um, as the legs, torso, and a hand are now identified. Back at the first scene with the car crash, uh, we flash back, and uh, this time it's from Tyrone's point point of view. He realizes that he's no longer in the apartment with Detective Connors, but he is on a dark street and, and nearly killed Tandy. He tries to help her, but realizes she won't accept it because she's she is frightened, and he is still holding the gun. He tries to assure her that the bullet wasn't meant for her and tries to make sense of his sudden transport. They hear the police siren and Tandy takes off. He ducks into the bushes as as the police car races by. The next morning, Ty returns to the chapel at school looking for Father Delgado, who isn't there. Ty lights a candle and begins a prayer to ask about where he got his powers. He can't take control of himself and asks for help. It becomes clear that he's not speaking directly to God, but to his late brother, Billy. He feels cursed. He is interrupted by Evita, the cheerleader who clearly has a crush on him. She overhears that he believes he's cursed. She invites him to join her after school. She is a tour guide for Tambala Voodoo Tour. After Ty arrives uh, to join a group, she takes them to sites of sacred voodoo locations and tells legendary stories including rituals, the last duel fought in New Orleans, and speaks of a Catholic church, which was attended by voodoo priestess Marie Laveau. She explains that voodoo is, at its core, a diverse collection of religion and cultural traditions that can either stand alone or be added to someone's faith. Evita 
invites Ty to make a wish at Marie Laveau's tomb. He reluctantly accepts. He follows her ritualistic instructions and silently makes a wish. Uh, so I am not Catholic, but someone here is. And if you listener are Catholic, I am a bad Catholic. So do not, if, if there is something else here that I'm missing, I'm happy to, to be schooled. Um, but my understanding of this is without getting too much into it. You can pray on intercession. Um, So you can pray to, oftentimes you'll hear Catholics pray to saints, um, as if they were sitting next to God and saying, hey, by the way, I got this prayer coming in. Why don't you help, you know, out my friend Stuart find this car keys? Um, Ah, St. Anthony. I know that one. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, St. Anthony and I go way back. So the idea is that you can pray to um, beloved relatives, you know, close relatives who are up in heaven, and they can intercede on behalf of um, you f- with God. Got it. Thank you. That was what I was going to ask you about. Uh, that being said, without getting into mm-hmm. again, without getting to too much of it, he. Mm. Was he doing that in this show? I don't know. I think he was just talking to his brother who he misses. Which I guess is technically the same thing. I, I think so. Uh, so but, but, that, but that theology is there. Um, I really... One of the things I really appreciated this, and I did write it down in my notes, was that it, it is showing different sides of... Catholicism, it's showing different sides of religion, it's showing different sides of voodoo. I mean, because really, let's be honest, my impression of voodoo is pretty much Princess and the Frog. <laughs> Which okay. one are you now? Have you seen that one? Uh, actually, I own that one. Because that's, um, cause that's a great one. And yeah. it it is all about, you know, voodoo. And, and it, I mean, it's not. I'm sure it's not accurate, but that's my impression of it. And so to have this sort of be a little bit more realistic, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, And I'm interested to see where it goes and how it plays into it. Um, I also like that they use, they're using that to get them to this other plane of existence. Yeah. And I believe Marie Laveau was a real voodoo priestess and that actually was her tomb. I believe that's true. I believe that's true. Um, I know they do film this in New Orleans, which is nice. Do they? Um, actually, I mean, have you have you confirmed that, or more, or is it just? Yep, they're they're in the upstand. They're in the the tombs on top of the ground, so you know they're in New Orleans. Um, I have not confirmed it, but it does look like New Orleans to me. <laughs> it, it I've do- never been there. I admit, but um, I do know that that Louisiana has a really decent uh, film industry. Right. I mean, most of. Uh, Louisiana and Atlanta, I think, is where Marvel is sort of headquartered now, right? All the movies are yeah. shot in uh, Atlanta, in Georgia. Um, um, yes, I do have a confirmation at Starlight Studios in New Orleans. Okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah. Because New Orleans is, is a very... 
New Orleans looks like New Orleans. Nowhere else yeah. looks like New Orleans. And you can't you can't be in New Orleans and try to be somewhere else. It it looks like New Orleans. The closest place I've ever been that almost is New Orleans is Port Orleans, uh, which is in Florida next to Walt Disney World because it's a Walt okay. Disney World uh it's a hotel. Um but they crafted it after New Orleans. So but yeah, it, I mean, looks like New Orleans. The the voodoo is there and it's treated with respect, which I really like. Um, so is the Catholicism. So is the other religions that they sort of explore. Which is yeah, good. yeah, I yeah, I do feel like voodoo is very they're they are very respectful to um, the voodoo practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, remind me where did Ty get that gun? At the car crash scene, uh, wasn't that? Was it his parents? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, I wasn't sure. I couldn't re- could not remember from um the previous episode. Okay, yeah, I'm having a All hard right. time remembering exactly. I want to say it was like his dad's uh, drawer or something like that, but then I'm thinking of Runaways. I think. Okay. So. Probably something like that. And there is so much in this episode, just even in Act 2, that reminds me of Daredevil. Um, well, yeah, the Catholicism for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of the same things about grappling with your faith and, yeah. and um, balancing it with um, these new gifts that you have. Wouldn't it be awesome if Matt Murdock yes. showed up in New yes. Orleans? yes. And it's never gonna happen. Uh, oh I'll, well. Oh well. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> I wish Ben was here just to do that. <laughs> um. Well, shall we move on to Act Three, which is actually sort of Tyrone's point of view, Part Two. Go ahead. And it's very short. Okay. Ty and Evita talk in the tour gift shop after the tour ends. She takes him to meet her auntie. Uh, in IMDb, uh, her she's called Aunt Chanel. Or, I'm sorry, Aunt Chantel. Um, but, until, but they never mentioned her name, so I'm just going to call her auntie. As auntie is finishing up her level of Angry Birds, <laughs> Ty notices the dolls on the near, nearby fireplace mantle. Auntie tells him to not touch the dolls, as some are as old as the city. Uh, She reads the cars for Ty and observes that the Joker, which was laid out, represents both hope and fear. She tells him he needs a special cleansing bath to clear away the spiritual sinuses, so to speak. After visiting Whole Foods to gather the ingredients, uh, he needs to add uh, into the bath Ty and Evita go to his place to do the spiritual cleansing. His mother is downstairs talking on her phone. In the upstairs bathroom, Evita instructs him to get into the bath naked, and then she turns her back to allow him to do so. He relaxes into the tub. At a moment after he closes his eyes, he senses that something has changed. Evita has disappeared. After he dresses and realizes that no one is in the house, which has turned dark, um... He has entered into something like a dream realm or spiritual plane. He steps through a door and finds himself back on top of the roof of Roxxon Corporation. 
Young Tandy is there in her little tutu. Okay, I love that Auntie is introduced by playing Angry Birds because she's supposed to be like this mystical, spiritual character. And she's doing something just so 21st century and mundane. Yeah, and, and almost and almost passe at the point. You know, it's almost yeah. it's almost laughable what she's doing. Oh, you're playing Angry Birds? Like my seven year old plays Angry Birds. Mm-hmm. And my seven year old thinks it's stupid. I mean, it's it's one of those it's this weird sort of thing that is only now, right? Yeah. And it, it also makes her very human. Or it just it just feels like in that moment they're making this very spiritual mystical character to be, to be just so human. Well, they they did that with the priest too, right? Where yeah. he's standing, I think it was the end of last episode. He's standing in line, he's waiting to buy his um his bread or whatever and then he puts the bread away after the lady leaves and gets a fifth of something. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and that's uh, for good or bad, I like how they're again making these spiritual leaders more human than than spiritual. Yeah. Maybe that's um, Maybe it's not. I I can understand humanizing the priest, but I just hope that alcohol's not his downfall. Um uh, I I'm actually at odds with that. I I want I like the pre I think I like the priest in Daredevil better because I don't think he um I I do believe they're going to use the the priest here, his downfall is going to be um, the alcohol and it's going to be a problem. I, mm. I, whereas the priest in daredevil was just, a, you know, he, he rose above those temptations, recognized those temptations, but rose above them. Um, and that's, I think that's what a priest is supposed to do. And I think that's what Christians are supposed to do. Um, they're supposed to rise above the, those temptations. That's the, that's the goal anyway. And, yeah. and the fact that you don't means that you're a human <laughs> and that you need, you know, the, the, the basis of Christianity. Um, and just keep working getting, on yourself. That's right. Without getting into too much of that. So, yeah. I mean, if you're still alive and kicking, you can still keep trying something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very human for people to have their downfalls and then to get back up and keep going. Mm-hmm. But what's important is to get back up. And sometimes that's the hard part. And I think this show sort of uh, it is investigating that as it sort of goes through. I mean, both Tandy and Tyrone – have had downfalls and they keep getting back up to try to do better in their life. Um, Tandy well, has a role model that is not doing that, you know? Yeah. And, and Tandy is actually not getting, well, she's getting back up, but she's also running away. Um, but well, that changes in this episode. It does change in this episode, but also look at her example. Her example is a person who has not run away, is not even moving. Is is barely, you know, quote unquote, getting back up. You could you could make the argument that Tandy is trying to better herself. She just doesn't know how. Whereas her mother is not trying to better herself at all. In any way yeah. that's constructive, you know, she's just trying to get the next buck. And and 
at like like in the last episode she said, "Oh, we used your money to for the for the indictment or whatever it was, the thing the the lawyer thing." I don't believe that for a second. I think she used the money on drugs. Mm. Like I don't think that there is a a lawyer oh, what's the what are they doing? I don't think there's a lawyer reason that they he's even there. I think he's just there for wearing a pink robe and getting high. Mm. So, well, possibly there could, I mean, depending on the state and the local legal system, um, filing, well, filing stuff frequently only costs like, I've only done this once, but, uh, it frequently only costs a few hundred dollars or at least where I, I live, um, to file something with the court. Um, but in their system, it may cost a lot more. It very, very reasonably, it could. Yes. What I'm saying, though, is I don't even think that was a – I don't even think they went down that road to figure out how much any of that was going to cost. I don't believe the lawyer is there for anything other than wearing a pink robe. <laughs> um, Why? Well, it's possible that they did file an indictment, but they also took the rest of the money to, um, you know, spend on, you know, other things that they should not have spent it on. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was very, that was very, um, uh, abuse, cycle of abuse, cycle of junkie sort of uh, language, you know, like, well, yeah. where did you get it? Justifying her wrong acts with, Tandy's wrong acts and therefore, well, you did it wrong. So I should do, be able to do it wrong too. And that's, you know, and, and that's not a good example for Tandy. So. No, no. And yeah, like you said, Tandy doesn't know any better. Right. Cause she hasn't had this good example. And that yeah. goes back to, you know, uh, the, the, the first episode where the, the mother is not even in the picture and she's quote unquote sick. And you know, for a, you know, you know, with the way her father speaks about it, it's not that she's sick, it's that she's hung over or passed out. Yeah. And the interesting enough, uh, Ty, he's on the basketball team. He's going to a really great charter school. Um, his parents are doing well financially. They live in a nice house, and yet he still feels like he's spinning out of control. Absolutely. So it just comes to show that just because of where you are in your life and your background, you can still feel that sense of you feel completely out of control of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, shall we move on to Act 4? Do you ahead. have anything else to add? Nope. Okay. Move on. on. Okay. In Act 4... Uh, back in Tandy's dream, she sees young Ty and Billy interact with his friends. They have a similar conversation from episode one about the man who didn't pay them to install a car radio. The boys discuss getting the radio back. This time, Billy decides to stay with young Ty. Billy hands his brother a check. The dream shifts to a clearing under some trees. Older dream Ty enters wearing all white clothing in the style circa the late 18th century. Dream Ty shoots Detective Connors. Uh, Ty holds a check with blood on it, and his parents fall down dead. He is then chased by police. The dream resets two more times using different weapons, a rope and a sword. 
but they all end bad for him. Tandy tries to reason with him to try something different. She lays one of her shining daggers out on the table, and they turn into handcuffs. Dreamtie takes them to Connors, who runs away. In Ty's vision, he watches young Tandy practice ballet. She's missing one of her slippers. Young Tandy falls, and she nearly falls into a, a puddle of with an exposed electrical line. He tries to rescue her, but the dream flashes to another scene where he observes lawyers in a glass room, drowning Tandy's father, which resets to Melissa fighting, legally fighting them and losing. Young Tandy fighting for her father's life, and older Dream Tandy continually running away with every reset. He uses his powers to stop Dream Tandy from running on their final reset and tries to reason with her to use a different tactic. She uses her dagger to break the glass. She and the room disappear. A set of wooden doors appear, and Ty opens them. Tandy, in her dream, enters a room where the floor is covered in checks from Billy to Ty. Young Ty is being uh, behind a gate crying. She sees in his dream young Tandy pass out pills to people as if it were the sacrament. The people fall dead. Among them are Greg and Liam. Real Ty and Tandy realize that they see signs of the other's powers through a stained glass window. They reach out for each other and they both wake up to reality. Uh, did you notice that um, both Tandy and Ty have people in their lives whose names are derivative of the name William? No. This is like, why I do this podcast with you, because I did not see that. <laughs> okay, so Ty's older brother's name is Billy. Right. And Tandy's boyfriend, uh, his name is Liam. Which is short for William. So, I mean, again, here's this balance of things. Uh, of this, like, sort of... I wouldn't say it's yin-yang, but it, it's something that they have in common. Hashtag um, connected. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a lot of dream imagery, like the resetting of issues and trying to um, mentally oh, yeah. work out issues. But what's interesting is that Tandy is dreaming of Ty's issues, and Ty is dreaming of Tandy's issues. Um, so it's all connected. They are, they themselves, the two are connected mentally somehow. Um, they're also um, interacting with items that the, or situations that the other person has seen. Like um, Ty hears about this duel, and Tandy dreams about Ty dealing with tool, uh, these dual imagery uh like the pistol and what he's wearing and the old plantation um in ty's dream older tandy is wearing the dress she stole from rick rick's uncle's house um and yeah and i'm sure that there's a lot more bits of connecting pieces too yeah i mean it's the 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 thread is woven pretty, pretty thickly in this. I mean, it's, it's very apparent to tell that they are connected and that they have a connection that goes beyond the physical plane, um, mm -hmm. goes beyond just, you know, her wearing his, his hoodie and him having an extra shoe. You know what I mean? It goes beyond that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, whatever is bringing them together, God, fate, you know, however you want to see it, uh, there is a force that is pulling them together and connecting them together and using the two of them um, as you would with yin yang to balance out um, truth and reality and, and situations. It's an interesting. Uh, this is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is the most religious an MCU property has been. What do you think? Mm, I would have to go back and rewatch Daredevil. But Daredevil can be pretty religious. It can be. What I guess where I was getting to is this is the most diverse. There, there's more diversity in religion being talked about mm-hmm. in this. You have the Catholicism, you have you have the, the voodoo, um, and those are two interwoven things. Here we go, inter- mm-hmm. interweaving things again. Um, and you have the girl say, you know, do, do you believe in this? And he's like, well, not as much as I did. <laughs> he asks her, do you believe in this? And she says, as much as I do on when I hear when I sit in chapel. And then you think about when they were sitting in chapel and everybody in that pew was texting. So yeah. it it's this they deal with religion realistically, which I think is an interesting point of view. You know, there, there's some shows out there who, um, you know, the, the, it's very pious. The, the people are very pious. They're very, well, I go to church and therefore I'm wonderful. No, you're not, (laughs) you know, those sorts of, those sorts of things. Um, and so I appreciate that. It'd be, I'd, I'm interested to see if that's a thread that keeps that keeps going through this show. I hope so. I mean, I, I think it's it's an interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that interconnectivity and in, in religion, and um, I hope we get to see more. Di- I, I, I like studying different types of re- religions. Um, and I hope we get to see more than just Catholicism and voodoo, because I know there's a lot of uh, Protestant religions, and I'm sure that there's outside of Christianity, there's there has to be much more in, in, in New Orleans. Well, the just as a as a, I don't know how much down this rabbit hole I want to go, but it's hard to tell from the outside from the outside looking in um, the differences yeah. between. You know, like Baptist and Protestant and, and or even like Lutheran and Catholic, right? I mean, from the inside looking out, you know those differences, but mm-hmm. because we made them, um, but from the outside looking <laughs> in, yeah. you know, everybody believes in Jesus and everybody believes in God or whatever. And then from the, it'd be interesting if somehow they got into like a, if they had like a Muslim or even um, a Muslim point of view or even like a, uh, um, you know, uh, another another major religious point of view, like a Buddhist or somebody like that, sort of come mm-hmm. in and and not necessarily talk, but just to coexist in the same in the same world. You know, 
And then, and then of course you have gods flying around who carry big hammers. Yeah. Um, I think that one incarnation of Captain Marvel was a Muslim girl. And I have heard in the comics. Yeah. And I'd like to read that. She is on the, like, that is a thing that Kevin Feige wants to do. Um, that was in an interview that I, that I read is that, I'd love to see that is that they want to bring I forget her name and I'm a bad Marvel fan. This is why we need Ben. Um, (laughs) they, they bring, they, they want to bring her in. Um, but they can't do it after, they can't do it because we have to get introduced to Captain Marvel first, which we will next March. <laughs> um, uh, and then, you know, how do you reincarnate her or whatever it is? However, they transfer her powers. How do you reincarnate Captain America? They're not. They're going to give the shield to Bucky and it's going to be awesome. Okay. <laughs> We shall see. I mean, who knows what's going on with that character? (laughs) Yeah, who knows what's going on with any of this Marvel, with any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now? I don't know. How do you reincarnate Captain America? There were some theories. I'm not going to spoil Infinity War. (laughs) (laughs) But I had some theories about certain characters who were not going to survive Infinity War, and they did. And it surprised me. But who knows what's going to happen in the following movie because Infinity War was part one of a two-part movie. And yeah, I'm excited for next <laughs> next spring. <laughs> so we we shall have to see. The 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 tiger bouncing is sort of way off in the distance and he's bouncing just a little bit. So, thank you for that. I am in a very zen mood just sitting here as Christopher Robin. I, I I feel letting it. it happen. I'm just letting it happen. Are you letting it go? <laughs> let it go. Let okay. it go. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've done Star Trek. We've sang. What else? What other? What other? The being, Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog. What other boxes do we need to check so they can get their uh, bingo card filled? Um, <laughs> there's Hoodoo, which is a version of Voodoo and Supernatural. Check. And you also see some voodoo in X-Files, check. But I would rely... I feel like I should rely more on Cloak and Dagger. (laughs) About the reliability of voodoo. (laughs) You know what we have not connected this episode or Cloak and Dagger to? Go for it. Firefly. I don't know how to do that. I don't know. We haven't had a reason to yet. Well, there are fireflies in the previous episode. We don't see them in the opening credits because it picks up exactly where we left off. So, I so, didn't see any. That's I didn't okay. See any of the either. There okay. were CGI fireflies, <laughs> Next. not firefly class jokes, but they were fireflies. There you go. There you go. Okay. Act five. Tandy Tandy quietly awakes alone on the bus and makes a decision. Ty awakes in the tub, gasping. Evita is there with him. Elsewhere, Detective O'Reilly gets into her car. There's a knock at the window. It's Detective Connors. He says she'll owe him a drink because he has something for her. He he gives her Rick Cotton's driver's license. He claims that he found it on a dead drug addict. Says that her case is just mugging gone wrong, case closed, and insults her previous experience working for the NYPD. 
She's not convinced of his conclusions because the evidence doesn't line up. He tells her to take it up with the lieutenant, insults her again, and walks away. Unimpressed, she takes a breath as her phone rings. It's Tandy who wants to talk. Ty and Evita walk down the street by the church she pointed out earlier on the tour and talk uh, about his dream. He didn't get his wish, but he believes he now knows how to make it come true. She asks what he saw, but he isn't ready to talk about it yet. She, too, made a wish at the tomb a couple days earlier. Ty is certain he knows what it is and decides to make it come true. He kisses her. Around the corner, uh, in Detective O'Reilly's car, she and Tandy conclude their conversation. O'Reilly extends her sympathy. Tandy leaves, and O'Reilly looks determined. Calling back to the opening scene, the 3D printer finishes. The extra bits of material are removed, and the figure is placed next to the old dolls on the mantle by Evita's aunt. The figure is of Tyrone. In the church, Tandy enters and approaches the altar. She's surprised to see Ty there. They need to talk. Fade out. Did you ever see the episode of Buffy um, that was hushed? It's yes. called Hush, that they didn't yes. speak at all. And then Tick. and then yeah. at the very end, they had to, the, the last line is, so... We need to talk. That's what that yeah. reminds me of. Are you sure that was Tyrone? The Tyrone? Yeah. It has mm. his hair. Oh, the figure does it? is black. Which is yeah, it has his hair. Mm. Same here. I wasn't I wasn't for sure that was Tyrone. It, it looked that's like him. Why I, that's why I let you I had it in my notes of questioning it. I guess okay. I guess it is. It looks so, like him. So then why did she make that? Because he entered her her apartment or her her office, so to speak. Okay. She's she has taken an interest in him. I think she saw something in those cards that she didn't tell him about. But probably Yeah, the Joker's not an MCU character. Not that Joker. We're talking about like the tarot card Joker, or or actually, um, even I've been told that even with regular playing cards, you can do it. But she was doing it with regular, which playing is cards. which is why regular playing cards were banned from summer camp for me. Are uh, you serious? It, yeah, it, it was a church camp, and they banned those cards, which is okay. like so ridiculous. We took them. We we snuck them into our cabins, anyways. <laughs> I'm gonna play go fish. Yeah, that's what we did. Bad word. <laughs> that I'm going to play Go Fish. You can't yeah. stop me. Yeah. So so here's my question. Um, yes, the imagery of 3D printing is cool, and it's a cool little thread to, you know, tie the episode together. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have any of the 3D printed characters in there. All the other voodoo dolls that she has are... They're ancient. They're ancient voodoo dolls. So... How, why, why does she need a 3D character, 3D printed character? Why not just use, why not just, you know, get a corn husk or something? She's not that good of a seamstress. Is, so she has to use something. <laughs> and 3D printers are expensive. So what, she's got yeah. one down at the, down at the thing. Uh, that will be, that would be an interesting mm, resolution to a question because i think that's a 
that's a pretty important question to ask. You know, why is she, is she giving up the other voodoo practices for 3d printing? I don't know. She's trying to make a buck on the side. I mean, they're not cheap. I don't know. They're not cheap. No, but no, that's interesting. That is a very interesting question. I suspect we are going to get answers later. That yes, that seems like a a dangling participle that you just got yeah. you got to deal with at some point because it's it's got to it, it. There's no re- that's Chekhov's 3D printer. Right <laughs> there is what that is. But yeah, it's used. But how did it get there? Why does she have it? Right, and why a 3D printer? Why not? a painting or um, a, a physical, I mean, none of the other dolls she has, the whole idea of voodoo voodoo dolls is the way I understand it is he doesn't have to be 100% representative. It can be, you know, representative of, it could be loosely based on the thing, but it has to have some sort of striking evidence. This is, you know, very detailed, it's, it's he's wearing a black cloak or a black suit. I even think. Well, yeah, he's he, completely. It's he's completely printed in black. He's. I didn't mm-hmm. see a cloak. No, it's his suit. It's his vest. It's, it's his yeah. vest from school. So, like, yeah. why is he? You know what's going on there? And then, oh, I, oh, I wonder if the school has one. And mm. then it was the girl who made it. <sighs> Maybe. That's possible. Oh, that'd be interesting if she's trying to either cast a spell on him. Mm. Or Auntie somehow is connected to Roxanne and they paid for the 3D printer. What are they going to do? Expense that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a payoff (laughs) or something. (laughs) All right. She read the cards for some executive. Yeah. And he's like, look, I can't really pay you in cash, but I got this 3D printer you can have. It's pretty cool. You can, like, make your Legos out of it, I guess, if you wanted mm-hmm. to. It, I've, heard that, I've heard that the printers themselves are kind of middling. What kills it is the, the stuff to put into it is just over-the-top expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't know that they would somehow, like, sometimes put off, like, these little extra bits of material. Um, I've only seen one 3D printer, and it made a vase at this, like, sort of, like, fair festival technology sort of thing. Um, And it did not put any of that extra material around it. So, and I was surprised to see that. I've never personally dealt with one yet, Mm -hmm. maybe someday. Um, so I'm wondering if that's true, if if that mold, um, well, if that moldy material, uh, why it was there, if it does happen, occur with real 3D printing. In my understanding of 3D printing is that it needs to take a 3D sculpted, uh, you, you sculpt it in the computer using Maya or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you you take that file and you put it into the 3D printer and the 3D printer prints it. So who's out there making 3D models of Tyrone? Mm. Good question. Or maybe Auntie works for um, 
the local film industry. <laughs> and she she works in CGI work and she does all this sort of stuff and all the voodoo stuff is sort of like a side business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so she happens to have a 3D printer that way. Um, I've, I've known a few uh, model makers, 3D and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And and they aren't nearly as classy as his auntie is. <laughs> so you know, yeah, I was thinking um, those like little extra bits that she took off the figure. Um, it's thinking about it more. It reminded me of the way his powers manifest in sort oh, of a, yeah. like a black cloud. Yeah. It's also pretty symbolic, right? So yeah. he's peeling away layers and getting rid of excess baggage and pruning and, you know, mm-hmm. pruning it down to be the best Tyrone he can be. Mm-hmm. And just because she has a figure of him doesn't mean she's going to wish him any harm. Maybe she's going to somehow protect um, him. Protect him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about this 3D action figure of <laughs> of Tyrone. I wonder if he took that. You got to think that he just sort of like walked away with this thing. With, I the, would. with the 3D figure? N- yeah. No, no. No, he didn't because No, I mean like the ne- actor. The actor? Yeah, like I don't know. If I <laughs> was if if I was ever on a show and they made a 3D model of me, I think it'd get lost into my pocket. <laughs> Uh, it wouldn't be the first time something has disappeared like that from a set. But I would, if I were him, I would wait until like the end of the series. Knock on wood. Let's hope it's not too soon. Um, I don't think it will be. This is a really good start for the show. Um, and yeah, I would, I would find a way. <laughs> yeah, that would. Um, and you know, I mean, they did 3D print it, so you know it's got to be fairly easy to get your hands on. Yeah. Or maybe they made him like an extra one or, you know, there was one that was kind of messed up or they said it was messed up and they're like, hey, hey, here you go, dude. Take it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I got to think that they yeah. did that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Do we have anything else right. for this episode? Um, well, we have feedback, but it's not for this episode. It's not at all for Cloak and Dagger. It is for Infinity War, so we're going to put it in the after credit and talk about it. We're going to have to get over this after credit talking about Infinity War stuff sooner or later. Let's hope so. Maybe when it comes out on DVD at the end of July. Maybe that's when we'll do it. I will leave it to Ben to make that decision. That is true. I will not make that decision. He is our captain. Yes, he is. Of this little Firefly class <laughs> oh, he's going to roll his eyes at me for that one. <laughs> Mal means bad. <laughs> yeah, in the Latin. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, final words? Final words? So, I just wanted to thank all the listeners uh, for listening. And if this is your third show, thank you so much for 
for picking us up. And, uh, and we'd also like to thank the Patreons, Andrew, Adzi, Jeffrey, Trent, Tassel. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the Patreon. And if you would like to be a Patreon, um, head on over to the welcome to level seven.com and there, there you will find links for everything. Samantha. Huh? This is this is the part where where you say something. Oh oh oh! I'm sorry. Um, I I have these new games on my phone because sometimes my life is boring and I'm playing one of them and these darn little birds are stealing my frozen watermelons. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Okay, so we have some feedback, um, like we said, about Infinity Ward. Uh, Infinity War. Infinity um, War. Would, and some about Ward. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Infinity um, War and, would be an interesting show. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so we have some feedback. Uh, the first one is from Agent 084. He says, hey, agents, hope you're still accepting slash reading feedback from Infinity War and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Here's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stinger I would have liked. Deke is at a beach sidebar in Hawaii or someplace touristy. The female bartender teases him about drinking Zima, but in a flirty way. He smiles as she walks away and goes to take another drink, but notices his hand dusting away. With a little redesigned, resigned sigh, he says, they did it, and he fades away completely, dropping the Zima bottle on the ground. As the camera pans out... We see others in the area start to disappear. The end. Uh, I'm excited for the Thanos novel as well, but did you guys see that it was debunked as MCU canon? Here's a link to the article. Um, And he he gives the link. Uh, I'm disappointed about it to say the uh, the least. I am an aspiring novelist, and I have had a very brief glimmer of hope I could some way get in the MCU canon novels. But I can understand filmmakers not wanting to have their content restricted by a novel. They'd have to keep in continuity with. You guys are going to get so much speculation from me during the next 13 months. I'll leave you with the immortal words of the great and powerful Tigger. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. Agent 084. 
man, I love getting you getting some yeah. feedback from you. Wait for I mean, you. You do send some of the best stuff, and you brought in something that I think Stuart forgot to cover in the news, which we've we have been we, away for quite a while. We also kind of don't know how to deal with that, which is that Thanos novel, um, because we the first time it was talked about, it was it was clearly stated as an MCU property. And then the, the authors kind of went, they kind of back, well, not the author in that article. One of the articles I read, it was like a PR person kind of backtracked. No, 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 it's not, it's not MCU, but the author's clearly stating that it was in a Q and a I read of his. So we're kind of waiting to see more, um, more, precise information from it. So that's why we haven't talked about it. Zero eight four. Yeah. I am planning on reading it. Maybe we can do something like a spinoff little mini podcast, like we did with the infinity initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's my idea of what to do with it. Cause we're not really sure. Um, yeah. Is it MCU? We really we, don't know. We will, we will definitely read it, probably. I mean, I think I'll probably get yeah. the audio version of it, because I like those better. But I don't know how to how to classify it. I mean, I think they're holding a lot of, like, is this MCU to the chest? Because I don't think they want to get into the, to the problem of the extended universe. And if you're a Star Wars fan, we did it. We invoked Star Wars and Star Trek in the same episode, and Firefly. Awesome. If, if you're a Star yes. Wars fan, you know that um, uh, the 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 extended universe, the EU, um, is something that is both loved and a thorn in the side of the filmmakers and the TV makers. So it'll well, be interesting well, to see how we go forward with that. Yeah, because. The extended universe is no longer considered canon. Even there's like, there's like this huge library of books now. Right. Um, and, and you're you're pointing at exactly the thing. You know, we Yeah. You know, yeah, it's no longer considered canon, but for a lot of people um it it is. You know, they they don't Yeah. they don't differ. I have a friend who really does not like Force Awakened because they changed the name of um, one of the main characters from the extended universe. Yeah. And so they, um, they really have a problem with that. So, Yeah. Uh, though I understand that there's some little hints from those books that fall into the solo movie, I, which we haven't talked about yet because some people haven't seen it yet. Look, uh, I've we, got a life. <laughs> I understand. I mean, I have just ever since Agents of Shield has um, ended their season five, I have been super busy. I understand. I mean, that's part of the reason why I did not um, attend um, the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, zero eight four. Yeah, keep sending in emails. They're pretty fantastic. Yes. yes. Okay, this is from Agent Jerome. I hope I got your name right. I hope if if it's not right, I apologize. Um, 
Okay, I did not mean to hit send. Apologies. We'll continue on as if nothing has happened, though, albeit with a slightly red face and in notepad first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. I've done that too. It's okay. Yes. So the first part should, should have introduced S.W.O.R.D. We all know Marvel wants to do more in space, and this seemed like an ideal intro to it. I would have started the season with the team in space jail. You know, because Space Jail makes everything better. After, that was me. After everything the LMDs did, they were being held as scapegoats. So a Cree escape pod crashes into Space Jail and kills most of the employees. Only the prison part is spared. Coulson goes all Superman with his robot arm and rips open the door after Space Jail fixes itself, of course. Thanks, Tony. To the space pod and its... Enter obscure Cree character here. The Cree are coming to Earth to exterminate all the Inhumans, and the gang is the only ones who can stop them. Tun tun tun. Sword. The second part I would leave much the same. Only remain only remainder of Hydra and Shield have to work together to try to stop the Cree. Only for Hydra to betray them and put a brainwashed stash in. The Gravitonium Machine, just some thoughts. Um, as for some of the confusion people seemed to have about past fits still being in stasis and removing him impacting the timeline, think of it, think of it like this. Time is a string. At certain points, multiple helium filled balloons are tied to it with different strings in one big knot. Each balloon represents a different possible future. When the moment the timeline was changed, all balloons, except for the one containing the outcome we saw on TV, had their lines snapped, and the balloons drifted away. So Fitz is sat waiting there for nothing. Infinity War. Amazing movie. It is the first movie since Jurassic Park that I've seen multiple times in the theaters, and I think it is the best Marvel movie to date. Really, the only thing I didn't like was that Star-Lord freaked out on Thanos right before they got the glove off. This seemed unlike him to do. He usually isn't that dumb. Something he has been worried the something that has me worried though is that he used to use the soul stone you need to give up something you love. Who does Tony love? His suit, pepper, maybe cap? I personally don't think he loves Cap, but even after everything that happens, they are friends. There's a fourth one, his unborn baby. I mean, they set it up in the movie. Why else would they do this? Would he have to give up his firstborn to use the Soul Stone? That is assuming that that he is the one to use the gauntlet, which makes most sense to me. Speaking of Tony, I know one of you said that you thought his armor was too magical and and how it repaired itself. I suggest keeping the third of Clark's three laws in mind. Um, this So the Arthur C. Clark's three laws are as follows. When a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states something is impossible, he is very probably wrong. Number two, the only way of discovering the limits of p the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible. Number three, and this is the one he he talks about, um, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Mm -hmm. That is something that um, Star Trek deals with all the time. And good point agent. Um, anyways, keep up the good work, folks. Love listening to the podcast and can't wait for you to 
tear into defenders. What a disappointment. Well, that's, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, we have not gotten into defenders yet, so we're not going to spoil it. Yes. I, I like what I, I like all the things we talked about in infinity war. Um, I, I actually got to see it twice in the theater too. Um, I think it's a, I think it's worth seeing twice in the theater. Not many movies have been. Um, I do, I actually like his uh, revamping of, you know, side chair, um, quarterbacking of the, of the, um, of the first part of agent five or season five of agents of shield. Um, it would have been nice to see a little bit more tied into the movies and the franchise, but Tigger's going to bounce away now. So, okay. Um, but to use the soul stone, is it just so you can possess it? They have to give up something that you love or, um, was it just to get the soul stone out of that location with a uh, red skull? Right. So now that it's in the gauntlet, can like anybody use the soul uh-huh. stone? It's a good question. Like, I kind of feel like the next movie is going to be about breaking up the gauntlet. <laughs> like it's 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 mm-hmm. Chekhov's gauntlet. It's come into play. It's used, and now we got to destroy it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And his unborn baby. Mm. That's not an affirmative, they, but we shall see. I know they kind of hinted at it with him going, "Look, I." I had a dream about kids. I want to have kids, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know that I want a Tony Stark baby. That's either he's having a Tony Stark baby or he's going to kick the bucket. He's going to be the one that dies at, at, at uh, Thanos' hands. Oh, I absolutely see that happening. Yeah. I absolutely see that happening. Yeah. What I think is going to happen is they're going to figure out how to get rid of the snapping. And then, you know, reverse that back. Mm-hmm. If I could turn back time. <laughs> um, you know, every time Tyrone's came up earlier in our discussion, uh-huh. I was I was trying so hard not to sing um, uh, the song uh, Call Tyrone, which is by Erica Badu. <laughs> I don't know You better that call Tyrone. Call him. <laughs> it's a really good song. It's it's it, yeah. It's it's one of her best songs, in my opinion. So we're driving the train, and it just went into the ditch. Yeah. Uh, well, that's I what you get with me. Okay, I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> no, it's fine. I think we're gonna. I think they're gonna turn back time, figure out how to get everybody who got dusted undusted, and then they're going to. Um, figure out how to kill the kill the uh the gauntlet that could even be avengers 5 in all honesty is to figure out how to kill the gauntlet hmm that could be but i don't even think they've announced they haven't announced anything past avengers 4 so who knows yeah. what they've got yeah. they're going to put it in the book they haven't even announced the title to avengers 4 yet no I don't expect to see that until the first of the year. Mm. Or maybe somewhere around like Thanksgiving Christmas. Yeah, Thanksgiving Christmas time. It would be different if we had a a fall movie. We don't even have a fall movie. So mm. They could announce it, it. Uh, as part of 
all of the um, the the gear up to um, Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm anticipating. Yeah. Okay. All right, we have one more bit of feedback left. This is from Agent Randy. Uh, this is about season six, Agents of Shield. Hi there. Just came across the podcast. Great fun. Uh, I really enjoyed your take on the end. Some of your speculation got me thinking. The discussion was centering around the lack of snapature in the episode and the fact that it does not appear that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is paying more than just a nod to Infinity War. Here's what I am, what I am hoping for. Tell me what you think. Maybe they decided to hold off on bringing the show back until after Avengers 4, because in Avengers 4, time travel shenanigans reset Coulson. Maybe uh, when they're revisiting their old battles, uh, the OG Avengers uh, find a way to stop Loki from skewering Coulson. Then he can come back to Season 6 with a new lease on life. Far-fetched, I know, but still. Thank you, Agent Randy. Um, that's a possibility. Yeah, but that's... Thank you, Agent Randy, for your email. And yes, that would be a possibility. I personally don't want to see that because that cheapens everything that he just went through. That's true, yeah. I mean, he 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 has gone through a struggle and, and it's been five seasons of a struggle. And if they erase all that struggle in one movie... Oh, man, that's just, yeah, like I still I have no problem going back into the Back to the Future, see Martin McFly, you know, play the Johnny Be Good up on the stage. Like, I got no problem with that. What I still want, though, is the things to matter. So I still want him to get skewered, but maybe in a way that allows him to tell you know, to pass on some wisdom or something. Mm. That might be interesting. Yeah. Well, he was dying. He lived five years past the point he mm-hmm. was supposedly meant to live. He made peace with death. I mean, it was just, it was clearly he was ready. And um, in my opinion, when someone is going through a long illness, uh, and they're ready to die, then you should give them the freedom to make that choice. Mm-hmm. To, you know, just to, you know, take palliative care um, if they wish, and to enjoy the last few days that they have. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. But it, 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 is, a, it's, it, it is a creative thought. And and what I like about Agent, your email is that um, you are. There's so many questions, so many questions, and nobody has the answers. Yeah, <laughs> nobody has any sort of inkling to the answers. Well, that's not true. No, somebody does. No fans. Nobody out here does. We just are all speculating together. <laughs> We're just all speculating together. We shall see. So. Oh, you know, we might not even get the title until after Captain America is released. Huh. Captain Marvel. Oh, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. No. Oh, it'll be it'll be on that title card at the end of Captain Marvel. Yeah. 
That's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Captain Marvel will return in Avengers. New Four. Avengers? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I, from what I understand, the title of the Avengers 4 will give away what's happening in the movie. Yeah, which that's, is that's, why we have that's what Feige. Yeah. yeah, that's what Feige said. So, I don't know. We get, we're going to get, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp next year. Yes. And what's interesting about all of the trailers that I've seen now. Wait, next year or next month? Next month. I'm yeah. sorry. What's interesting about that is all the trailers I've seen for it start with, uh, Avengers Infinity War footage. Like mm-hmm. the trailer from Infinity War sort of like, oh wait, I'm watching the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it, they're conscious of it. I just wonder how it's going to play in the in the in the film. Mm. For I, personally, I think they're going to use the end of Infinity War as a major plot point. Um, I think that Ant Man and the Wasp is set just before Infinity War. And what I'm really hoping for is that we don't see anything directly from that in the main part of the movie, but in a tag scene, we see some some uh, people being dusted. Yeah, especially Wasp. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. It would be terrible. Oh, what would <gasps> what be even worse is if, it, if it's his daughter. Oh, that'd be yes. so much worse. You and I had the same thought at the <sighs> exact same time. It would It would be okay if it was... Um, like the, the stepdad, that'd be fine. Oh, that'd be terrible. Cause he's actually a nice guy. He is a nice guy, but like, he's, you know, kind of expendable. But if Louise oh. went, oh, 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 that's going to bring out some really, you know, like, mm, uh, huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dusting away there. Dusting away. <laughs> I have a feeling that every movie we see, every time the MCU is on screen anymore, like Luke Cage is coming out tomorrow, I think, or is the it next day. A few days. It's the 22nd. Yeah, Friday, maybe. Um, If there's no dusting in that, we're all going to be flipping tables. But there's not going to be because I'm coming to this Zen place with this, with Infinity War. Every four. Up until now, for 10 years, the timeline has been the movie that got released is is now, right? And so the next movie that got released is now. And, and stuff that happened, movies that were released before, were then. This is now. And um, movies that are going to be released is soon, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that happened with Infinity War. I believe Infinity War... Is soon still because <laughs> we're not in now yet. We're still the now parts of things haven't happened yet. Yeah. That's, and I mean, no show and no upcoming movie until Avengers four can really talk. Well, maybe except for Captain Marvel. I only mm. think Captain Marvel is going to hint, hint at what's happening in Avengers four. Yeah. I think in a tag scene in Captain Marvel, that's where we see her receive the text from, um, 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 Sam Jackson. Yeah, yeah. From Peary. Um, I think, but I think that will be the only connection between those two movies. Um, mm-hmm. like there might be some sort of 
some sort of um, thematic, oh, that's a thing to kill the Soul Stone or whatever mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, but I don't think it's going to have any sort of grand machinations or grand way to solve the dusting of Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can sit here and speculate. We could probably do another four and a half hours on this. Yeah. So let's not do that. Yeah, Um, it's getting late. (laughs) It is getting late. So, yes, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. 